Welcome back to Insights, an employee engagement podcast from Amplify. So far, we've covered trends on the evolution of the HR role and the impact burnout can have on engagement. This week, we're diving into the eventual consequence of burnout, turnover. In our research, we found that 72.7% of people are currently open to a new career opportunity. And those could be the very people that you thought were highly engaged. On our last episode, we had Nick Smorelli, the CEO of Goodellnet, and Adam Weber to help us as leaders understand the drivers of disengagement. But in many cases, there are employees who are not necessarily disengaged, yet are open or even actively looking for other opportunities. Now, before you chalk this episode to, well, this doesn't apply to me, hear me out. Because even long-tenured employees are at risk for turnover. Now, I have a lot of stats, so bear with me. Our research found that 63% of people who have been at their current employer for 10 or more years are open to a new opportunity, and that the new employees that you're so excited about are among the 77% of people who have been with their current employer for less than a year and are still looking for another opportunity. So let's just break that down for a second. People with more than 10 years have 63% of that bucket that are open to a new opportunity. And then the people who have been at the company and should be in a honeymoon period for less than a year, 77% of that bucket is open for a new opportunity. And I shouldn't have to tell you the impact of turnover to an organization because we all know that. But what I do want to tell you is that even if those numbers don't alarm you, many people who indicate that they are not actively looking will still take an interview. So what happens when they do? There's nothing that kind of... I would say makes me sad with the commentary around, well, I wasn't actively looking, but then I found the perfect job. And whether it's actively or passively, they're still taking that next step. They're calling in for a dentist appointment or they're calling in for kind of whatever excuse that they use, or they're giving up time with their family in order to have this conversation. We miss the mark somewhere. And I think they say that as, as a way to kind of quell kind of whatever self-doubt that that it creates as an employer. But I still look at that as we miss an opportunity here. And, and I, I appreciate the sentiment, but the reality is actively or passively, they are still looking for another job and they realize that your company wasn't their home. And that's, that's kind of a hard reality sometimes to face. As a reminder, that was Nick. And he said a key word there, home. What can an employer do to create an atmosphere for its employees where they don't even want to think about taking that interview? And not only keep the door closed to new opportunities, but lock it up and throw away the key. I speak about this with my managers all the time, that employees want to be uh, seen, heard, and valued. And I think ultimately, as you look at what your retentions and turnover mitigation strategy is, is looking at it in those buckets, I think really has helped us kind of crystallize our approach. Or in the times where I mean, right now, I mean, I'll I'll be totally honest. We've got some employees who are frustrated. We rolled out a few new metrics and they're incredibly frustrated by them. And there's been even kind of, I would say not serious talk, but, you know, is this the right place for me? Have we lost what our mission is? And in my mind, in no way or no capacity have we lost where our mission is. Merely, we were just trying to quantify it a bit better. So there was a miss. And so for us, what we've done to kind of help mitigate that is we're setting up one-on-one meetings with our VPs so that they kind of have a skip level dialogue around what this means to them. They can understand what the global picture is around those goals and they can improve. So for me, creating a forum 
no matter what you use, whether that's a one-on-one meeting, whether you're using engagement software, whether it's a, you know, the HR director walking around, whether it's those chance meetings in the cafeteria where you hear them and then you report back out. And I think that's the most important part is if somebody brings you any idea and you do not come back with them with some level of, we went ahead and implement this, it's going to be implemented in Q2, or honestly, your idea was terrible. And here's why. Not all ideas are good. And I, I, my executive team have told me multiple times how bad my ideas are sometimes. And so I think ultimately is if you do not come back to them, then you're going to also go, that's the, that's the herd part. Not just you're putting you, you know, it's not, it's not kind of just listening. You're, you're really hearing. And the value part is, is again, kind of coming up with ways to recognize really stellar behavior. I think ultimately those three characteristics kind of help, I would say, in our opinion, kind of help hold our uh, employee retention rates as high as they are because of that fact is, is we try to kind of help make sure that, again, we don't roll out things that are perfect. You know, we're growing, there's growing pages, there's, there's teams that are not staffed in the way that they would like them to be. And, and there's a lot of things that we're trying to work on at any one point. But I think ultimately, if there's one thing that we've created as a culture is we're willing to listen, we're willing to hear you, we see you as an employee who's trying to make this company better. And you're valued enough that we're going to report back and take the time to say, hey, your idea was great. We're going to help make this a reality. So I think we've done a lot of that to kind of help minimize what I would say is turnover. And I think there's a lot of applicability to kind of how do you do seen, heard, and valued in your company. The one-on-one gets discussed a lot on this show because the reality is that those meetings are extremely important. So I asked Adam to break down a one-on-one. I think there's like two components to that because the one is what rhythms do you have in place that avoid reactive situations? So when you do regular one-on-ones and by regular, I mean every single week and you allow your employee to start those one-on-ones that will flag most. When you add in a quarterly conversation where you, uh, you know, with quarterly conversations for me, it's always, I ask that person to show up with one area where they feel like they need to improve or they'd like to develop their skills. And I come with one area as well. We spend time on those two and we see where there's a match. We talk about where I might be blocking their success. And then the third component though, is we talk big picture. We step out of the day to day and we go, let's talk about your future. And as a manager, I should have clarity on that person's future and and where they're trying to go and what they're trying to build in their career. And so when I have those rhythms, and that's every 12 weeks where we're talking about, you know, how are you moving toward that bigger vision for your life, for that future for you? And then my goal as a manager then is to make sure that inside of our company that we're working on that path, or I'm clarifying expectations on gaps that I see for them to get there. So then when other opportunities arise, should very rarely be surprised. And, and sometimes there are situations where it's a logical yes to them. I, I had, I mean, this was many years ago, but I had a person who came to me and said, I want, I want to be a manager by the end of this year. And I was like, can I share with you the steps that need to happen for you to be able to get to that spot? And I'll tell you candidly, I'm concerned that here, I don't think you can get to those steps within one year. Um, But we talked about it. It was super honest. We started working toward those steps. And another opportunity came where I didn't feel like this person had made all the steps to get to that role at our team. And so when the opportunity came up for him to make that leap, I celebrated with him. We We went out. We had a dinner to celebrate. That was his goal. And he achieved his goal. And I, as his manager, helped him. You know, I helped move him toward that goal. It wasn't the right fit for us, but it wasn't um, because of just the timing. But it still is not something that can't be celebrated or recognized. I think one of the things that hasn't like moved forward as a culture is how we think about 
transitions for people in general. Like we see all the stats and we know that people leave about every three years. And yet when they leave, it feels like this severance of like this deep, you know, ending uh, that doesn't match how often it happens. And so I think just having honest conversations and, you know, no matter how long, my hope is always, you know, at, at, a, at a business like ours or as a business leader that no matter how long you work at our company, I hope it makes you better. And I hope you made our company better and that we celebrate people for the work that they did. And I just think as a work culture across the board, we need to improve how we celebrate and launch people into different parts of their lives. We're not signing up for a marriage. We are all giving of our time for a season, and hopefully that season is an elongated season, but it's different for everyone. The employee-manager relationship is a key driver of engagement and retention. And reports show that employees are not meeting enough with their direct managers. Now, I do not want you to get from this episode a feeling of fear. I don't want you looking back or listening to these stats and worrying that everyone is going to leave you. The reality is, like Adam shared, that your company may ultimately just not be the right place. And that's okay. But if you're proactive in your approach to leadership, you can reduce those surprises. I think instead it's inspire the best. It is give them clarity of what they can be working on to get better and give them consistent feedback. If you have a, it is very rare where someone will leave a manager who inspires the best out of them, challenges them, gives them feedback and aligns goals. If you like, if you're doing all those things, it is very rare that the person is like proactively looking or, you know, trying to find another job. I, I think the other thing is just like just having a bit of like a reality check too. like in if you think about a company of any size whatsoever, that's happening in every single layer of the organization. So that just gets back to golden rule, basic life, humanity type of stuff, which is how would you want to be treated in those environments? Because above that manager is just another manager who's dealing with all of these same feelings and tensions and the, the task of being a great manager doesn't change because of that situation. It's consistent, steady feedback. It's clarity of goals. It, it is a deep trusting relationship. Autonomy, along with weekly check-ins, allow managers to remove blockers from their employees and provide support where it's needed. Before we end this episode, Nick provides a tactical approach to implementing exactly what Adam shared, he calls it the IDP process, which is an individual development plan. And in that plan, what we do is we create kind of a one year, which is a lot more tactical. It's, you know, what certifications are you going to seek out? What things are you going to do? If there's a project that touches on this, would you want to step in and, you know, work after hours just to kind of participate in that project team? Anything to kind of understand of what gets you to a grander goal, which is generally speaking, the two and the five year plan. And this is actually updated every year. Um, it's shared with the manager, it's shared with HR, it's shared with the skip level. Our training development manager is the one who really leads this process. And we actually brought in a training development manager at 50 employees, which, again, if you look from a P&L perspective, is, is probably a disastrous idea. But in, the reality is, is it really kind of created this culture of growth. And I think we've done a, a good job of using that as a forum for self-promoting. One of our biggest items that we do is 100% of our management, um, no matter what layer, has come into the organization as an individual contributor. So they come in not as a manager. So they've really been built up. So for us, it's, it kind of gives people the sense of, if I work hard, there's a bigger job for me here. Um, but also on those days, you know, I, 
I kind of, I kind of talk about like, everybody has a bad day. I have a bad day. And I think acknowledging some days that, you know what, some days I don't actually want to go to work and I'm the CEO of the company. So, and that's okay. But what I see as a CEO is I talk in two and five year plans all the time. Employees often don't think in two year and five year plans. They're thinking, what am I thinking for the rest of this week? And if they're unhappy coming in on a Monday morning and they don't see where they're going to be in the longer term, they're going to focus on all the things that didn't go well Monday morning versus I see myself at a new team or I see myself learning something new or I've got a big training coming up in a month or two. And I think just broadening perspective smooths out the bumps. And so I think whether you use a formal IDP process or whether you just really kind of talk in terms of long-term planning is really focusing on kind of the future because it helps smooth out the natural ebb and flows of a job. Some days are great. Some days are are tough. And I think by smoothing that out and kind of creating a good average with a good vision up that they can kind of chase after, I think really kind of helps mitigate those. I'm frustrated. I'm going to go throw a few resumes out when I get home this afternoon. Thinking about the insights we shared, there are real costs associated with employee engagement. And I don't mean costs to fix. I mean costs if you ignore the facts. As we look to wrap up our series on the employee engagement trends, we will talk specifically about the business impact of engagement. Imagine how much it would cost to replace one-third of your workforce this year, because that's what you could be facing. We will dig into this more in our next episode, and if you haven't yet, be sure to download the Amplify 2020 Engagement Trends Report at amplify.com trends, T-R-E-N-D-S, to get even more insights.